el sueño de cualquier niño es, es llegar a jugar cualquier gran slam. No, no, no. forma de entender el deporte es, eh, es intentar dar lo mejor de, tu, de ti mismo aquel día. Celebrated his 19th birthday on Friday Nadal and he beat world number one Roger Federer. French Open champion. Rafael Nadal, 2005, a star has been born. That will do it. Nadal defends his crown. Rafael Nadal, still the undefeated champion. Rafael Nadal, now four in a row. I mean, he's a fantastic player and he's going to be around for so much longer. So I'm happy everyone I get now before he takes them all. There's a new man at the head of Max Tennis. You won three out of four last year, so something tells me maybe deep down in that heart, maybe you think you're the best still and maybe the best of all time. What do you think? No, not for, for sure. No, no, I know what Russia did is almost impossible to, to improve. to come back from Rafael Nadal. He looked dead and buried in this match. What a man. The longest match ever in Australian Open history. Without question, this is Rafa's house. He stands alone. Seven French championships. Je There's never been anyone quite like Rafa. Rafa reigns again in New York. For a second time, he becomes the US Open champion. And if you look at this, this is probably the greatest comeback I've ever seen in sport. Still the champion of red clay. Nine.
stay on the tour, keep playing Rafa, please. Uh, tennis needs you, so thanks very much for everything you do. The dream comes true. La Decima is his. It's number 11. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Legends of Sports and Music. We've changed the title to the podcast because on a monthly basis now, I will be re-airing from the previous year podcasts dedicated to musical legends. Uh, right now on the feed, you have two. We, uh, As we're recording this episode, one is already on Michael Jackson. By the time you hear this episode, you'll have Michael Jackson and Aaliyah music tributes on this platform and on this feed. Um, want to introduce my co-host today who will be helping me discuss a man who's on my Mount Rushmore of tennis players, male tennis players, uh, because Serena Williams will be on any Mount Rushmore of any tennis, but I'm just... When we're just talking male men's tennis, the men, my Mount Rushmore, just to put it out there, are the holy trinity of this generation. Uh, and you know who those guys are. I don't even have to mention their name if you're a tennis fan. Novak, uh, Federer, and the guy we're talking about today, Ra uh, Rafael Nadal, Rafa Nadal. And, of course, the guy who for years, I started watching tennis in 1977, for years, I always said he was the greatest tennis player of all time until this holy, holy trinity stepped up. And I can't argue, uh, Kevin, they've surpassed beyond board as the three greatest tennis players of all time, in my opinion. I want to introduce my brother from across the pond. Kevin, yeah. Kevin, Kevin, tell tell the listeners where you're from and when did you first started watching tennis and when did you first hear about the legend, the living legend, Rafael Nadal? Mm. All right, all right. Peace, peace, peace to everyone tuning in. Uh, it's an honor to be here. First of all, it's it's huge, you know. Uh, if you're a sports fan, it's it's always uh, refreshing to talk about the same thing with the people who understand it. So mm -hmm. it's an honor to be here, and I've been tuning in, listening to so many, you know, of your episodes. Uh, it's it's an honor to be on one. Um, I'm Kevin Aine. That's my African name. Uh, and I hail from Uganda. 
I'm actually in Uganda at the moment. Um, beautiful, beautiful. So, exactly, it's a beautiful country. Uh, it's it's really have you always out here at the moment. Have you always lived in Uganda? Have you lived in a? Because from your tweets, now I met Kevin through Twitter. You seem like you've been around at such a young age. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been here and there. You know, I've spent. I can say I've spent uh, three quarters of my life here in Uganda. So right, yeah, right. but you know. Um, I feel like knowledge or, you know, communities stretch beyond borders. So right, I might right, be right. in Uganda, but you might be in New York. Right. But, you know, it feels like we're the same people, you know. So mm -hmm. that's where it comes from. Uh, I've been a sports fan for all my life. All my life I've been a sports fan. But tennis, I tuned into tennis in 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. And I got interest into it. In a game that I will talk about later on, in 2002, the Australian Open Finals, when Rafael Nadal took on Novak Djokovic. That's when I got deep into the sport. But, you know, it doesn't matter when you go deep into it. You always mm -hmm. refer to the history and you always know right. the stories. Right. So I've been a fan for the longest time. And just to put it out there, I have a Mount Rushmore of we'll bring that we'll bring well. that up oh, you're going to bring that up at the end because if you've listened oh yeah kevin you've listened to my, my my sports podcast and the listeners know that at the end of every episode i ask yeah. my guests your top five so when it's all said and done at the end of the episode the final question i will be asking you is name the top five male tennis players you've seen matter of fact we're going to make it easy your mount rushmore four so you're going to Tell me your Mount Rushmore when it's all said and done. But, all right. So all leave right, that, leave right. the leave, keep that under your hat for now. Go ahead, continue. All right, all right. So yeah, yeah, and you know, I've had the honor of watching him. I can say the word honor for very, very few superstars. It's always great to watch, you know, sport, but there's those people that redefine the feeling, and one of them is Rafael Nadal. He is a joy. He is passionate, and we're going to talk about him. He is a great man in his own right. So um, I have to say, you know, let's let's go. Let's kick it off. Go go straight into talking about when you first saw him play and whatever comes off the top of your head, uh, some of his greatest performances. Of course, he is unpacked. The only person on his level in the history of tennis on clay is beyond Borg. Um, yeah. Man, imagine. A 22-year-old beyond Borg versus a 21, 22-year-old Nadal. I mean, you might have to. That might be a match that'll go on for three days. <laughs> <laughs> because they were, you couldn't beat these guys. You could not beat these guys. It's still to this day, Nadal. Uh, would you say, Kevin? Yeah. He's he's the overwhelming favorite to win the French this year. I, I would say every year. Of course, well, I'm talking is. about this year. I mean. He's past his prime. I mean, his prime years are not, no longer there. Yet he still, don't you think, the overwhelming think, favorite? Yeah, exactly. I think he's the overwhelming favorite. <laughs> wow. See, that, that, when you that's talk incredible. About, go ahead. Go ahead. When you talk about Rafa, one of the things you've got to talk about is consistency. You see, he has, as much as you might say, my favorite, my goat is Fedran and Djokovic, Bjorn, Mari, whatever. Right, right. There is there is that one thing about Rafa that he has that nobody else has. He has dominated clay to the point that 
if you beat Nadal on clay, that's a big achievement. That's that's a Let me tell you something. Let me and tell you. He's a man. Think about beating it. The, beating Nadal in on a on a clay court is equivalent. It's equivalent to have beaten a Muhammad Ali in his prime. To have beaten a, Floyd Mayweather's undefeated, but if someone found a way to beat Floyd Mayweather in his prime, that's the equivalent of beating the Dallon Clay even today past his prime. <laughs> exactly. Think about that. You know, he he has dominated the sport. He has the record twenty one games on clay without a loss, eighty one tennis games. Think about that. Wait a minute. He had you know, he has consecutive. 81 consecutive, 81 wins, on consecutive clay? wins on clay. Wow. Like, come on. <laughs> come on. You know? Over Was that in one year or was it over a two or three year period? Oh, that was a couple of years, about three or four. That was yeah, a because of years. Um, most, most, most um, tournaments, right, are five, six rounds, right? So yeah, if you, yeah. If you, if you, if you let's just. For shits and giggles, say the average tournament for those two years were five rounds. So you do the you do the math. That's sixteen straight yeah. tournaments that he would have won. Well, what was the what what was the amount? Do you know the you know the number that he uh, of of matches? How many tournaments in a row did he win on clay? Do you know that number? Uh, I'm not so sure about the number, but I can. It'll say... be it'll be like fifteen, sixteen, though, right? If you wanted to estimate a guess. Yeah. 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 See, he has 36 Masters titles, and of the 36, 26 on clay. Right. And he's got 21 Grand Slams right now. He's, he's leading everyone. And of the 21, 13 are on clay. You know? So, so okay. He so let me, let me, back, let me backtrack clay, a second. Let me, let me backtrack a second. He's won 13 French Opens, right? Yes. Okay. So eight are non-clay that he's won. And you said of the 36 Masters, 26 have been on clay. On clay. So you yeah. got 10 plus or so 18 major tournaments he's won offside, outside of clay. That's very important to the discussion we're having on the Dow because when he first came up, this was right before you started watching, the criticism, yeah. the main criticism that the media had on him, oh, he's one-dimensional. He can only win on clay. It's not, but then yeah. when he started beating Federer, and you're going to talk about a match later on, um, yeah, that's when the reporters gave him his due. Man, fuck the media, Kevin. When I watched <laughs> this guy back in 05, 06, 07 dominate on clay, I said, that kid is bad. I was telling my girlfriend at the time, and she hated tennis, the, the woman I was dating at the time, she's like, why you watch that shit? I only want to watch Serena. What was I said, oh, look, look, look. Y'all love Serena yeah. and Venus, but watch this. Watch Federer, Nadal. You'll learn more about this. See, Serena's smoking people, right? These are competitive matches. Look at the athleticism. Look at the way he they, they're moving. This, and Kevin brought up a point to me about a month ago, which, I, you know, I can't argue. Um, yeah. uh, Kevin said that tennis is the most, you have to be the most mental, that's the extent of, with the most mental toughness. The athletes exactly. with the most mental toughness are the ones that dominate tennis. Exactly. And it's and it's the one sport because like a boxing, you're like boxing, you, you have no teammates to depend on. It's you and your opponent. 
and you have yeah. to be tough. And Nadal, and to, I don't that. do that. And Nadal has that Muhammad Ali, uh, Floyd Mayweather mental toughness where once he starts and he's locked in, as we've seen recently, and I can't wait for Kevin to talk about the recent final that he had one of the greatest comebacks in tennis history, came back and won. <laughs> Motherfucker's still amazing. So the media yeah. was criticizing him. Kevin, I'm like, what the fuck are they looking about? What are they looking at? They don't know what they're talking about. He's one-dimensional. <laughs> you know how hard it is to win on clay? He's one-dimensional. Roger Federer is not one-dimensional? He can't win on clay. Come on. How many exactly. uh, How many French Opens has uh, Federer won? One. He has one. one. Was Nadal yeah. in that tournament? Uh, yeah, but Nadal had to retire because of injury. There you go. Because he wouldn't have won that one. All right? <laughs> Nadal was healthy. All right. I'm gonna let yeah. the expert. Oh. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let the expert answer this question. If Nadal's 100, percent does Federer have that one French? Uh, I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. I don't okay. think he has it. All right. But so you see, Federer has always been Federer has always been the media's favorite. He's the golden child of tennis. I can't think of anyone in any sport that's as loved as Federer. Oh, so uh, I can't uh, get uh, why baseball. Ba Roger Federer is the Derek Jeter of tennis. No one ever said anything bad about Derek. <laughs> he was, you know, with the guy, with the, the kid with the smile, then the man with the smile. He could do no wrong. That's Federer. Federer and let me let me tell exactly. you something. Let me tell you another reason why Federer was so beloved by the media. Mm. That and one look. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. And I always bring it up on these shows. Race plays a major factor in someone's popularity. At that, the, when Federer rose was at the same time Serena and Venus rose to prominence. And Serena and Venus, especially Serena, because after a while, Venus fell off due to injuries and uh, physical ailments. Serena was still the most dominant female tennis player that ever lived. The media hated her. Hated her with a passion. So they put Federer they put all their praise towards Federer, while ne especially the American media. I don't know about the. I'm sure the African media, Ke Kevin, and the international media gave Serena the mm. flowers she deserved. But over here in America, they hated her with so much visceral. It was fucking disgusting, right? So yeah. Federer is the anti-Serena. Oh, he 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 talks to us. He doesn't have a chip on his. Federer had a chip on his fucking shoulder. You can't be that great. <laughs> Without a chip on his shoulder, Federer exactly. Federer was a perfect and politician for the sports of tennis, for the tennis sport, and the media ran with it. They, 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 they hyped him up more. He was already great. They made him into a god because he was the anti-Serena. Your thoughts on that? Exactly. And just to go back onto Serena, uh, just for the listeners to understand what you mean, is you know about Mariah Sharapova. Mariah Let me tell you something. Is, she's not close. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Let me backtrack. If, if, did you listen to my Serena Williams podcast? Uh, not yet. Not yet. Okay. I'm going to piggyback on what you you were about to say about Maria Sharapova. The United States yeah. racist media. Serena exactly. Williams dom dominated tennis. Was dominating tennis. She had won the Serena Slam from 2002 to 2003. Right. 2004 yeah, yeah. Wimbledon Finals. She gets upset by 17-year-old Maria Sharapova. 
Sharapo would shock the world. It, I mean, I, I was sitting there watching the TV. I wanted to throw my remote through the television. I, I, I mean, <laughs> Serena didn't show up. She did not show up. She got her ass kicked. It was so bad, uh, uh, Kevin, that Richard yeah. Williams got up bef- before the second set started and told the reporter, Serena's not winning, and walked out. He was disgusted. Her own father was disgusted. And he, and, and he knew by looking at his daughter that mentally she wasn't there. And and Kevin yeah. will tell you, you have to be mentally ready to win exactly. at any level in tennis. And that I think Serena just got up that day and thought, and Serena did this a few times. All I got to do is show up, and I'm going to win. So doing do, uh, after Sharapova beats Serena, the following Monday, this was you know Wimbledon's on a Saturday. And the following Monday, USA Today, a national newspaper in the United States, sports headline. Maria Sharapova, the new queen of tennis. Go ahead and exactly. Go ahead and piggyback see, on that. That's exactly what I'm talking about. It made something out of nothing. And now peak casuals will tell you Sharapova is as great as Serena or something. There's that thing in their mind that there's this thing between Serena and, and, and Sharapova. And it's not there. Look at look at the numbers. Look at what they've done in their career. It's not even close. Okay. If, but, if you, know, if you backtrack, you back, back to what I was saying. Serena loses to Sharapova at Wimbledon and then at the WTA finals where she uh, injured her shoulder and she had to play with one arm. All right, so Sharapova wins those two games, right? Beginning yeah. with the 2005 Australian Open in which Serena beat Sharapova in the semis. Yeah, Sharapova hasn't beaten her since. Sharapova is not close to Serena. She retired uh, a few years ago, but yeah, she, she retired because she was tired of Serena beating her ass. Uh, Serena exactly. beat her over twenty consecutive times, and how many Grand Slam championships does she have compared to Serena? It, 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 it they're on different universes. Exactly, different universes. You know, but just to get the people back to mental toughness, yeah. um, I think. You know, uh, there's a quote that uh, Novak Djokovic once talked about where he said, you see, in tennis, everyone has got a good forehand or a good backhand. What wins you these titles is your mind. And aside from Djokovic, who is my greatest of all time, I feel like Nadal's mind is extraordinary. Extraordinary. This man never gives anything up. You see... Djokovic was talking about uh, facing Nadal, and he said, the most intimidating thing about Nadal isn't during the game. It's while he warms up, you know? You look at a gladiator, and you're like, come on, I stand no chance. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Nadal brings it. You see, that situation where you said uh, Richard Williams walked off and said, you know, Nadal, I mean, Serena is not here. Right. That will not happen with Nadal. He might lose the game. He might be. But you'll give it. A, you'll down. give it. A, you'll give it a thousand percent. He will go out swinging. Exactly. But you're not getting anything easy from him. Mm. You know. And um, I've played a bit of sport in my life, and I have had my own share of foot inconveniences. Nadal has struggled with a foot injury for over ten years in his life, which but, is crazy, Kevin. Which is crazy. Considering that speed is his exactly. biggest asset, um, 
other than Borg, he's the Think fastest tennis player I've ever seen. It, it, you you yeah. don't outspeed that man. That man is constant motion. <laughs> <laughs> and power and power. Yeah. He has a stupid forehand. You should. It's stupid. It's full of energy, mm. from the first set to the last one. Constant energy. If you're playing Nadal, um, recently uh, one of my favorite tennis players at the moment, Nick, Nick, Nicholas Kyrgios, he's he's a bit of a showman. Mm. Um, his coach, I mean, his coach said, if you're playing Nadal. Just don't just don't put the ball next to his forehand. Just don't do it. Just try not to do that. <laughs> it's so accurate, you know. Let me ask you. Let me it's, ask you a question, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, his serve and volley game. Nadal doesn't have the greatest serve, but no. His serve and volley game. Would you say is the greatest serve and volley game you've ever seen? I mean, I mean, he keeps it. I, he, he, I mean, you basically. You have to tire him out, because um, I I recently I recently uh, watched the Australian Open final that he came from behind, and yeah. I mean the rallies that went back and forth, and he kept my man on his feet. That serve and volley game is great. We know Federer's got the great serve. Pete Sampras had yeah. an incredible serve, and that was they they could always go back to that. It's Serena. They could always she Serena could oh, could yeah. always win a game just by having her serve. Yeah, uh, Nadal but doesn't have see, that luxury, but yet you have yeah. to outwork. Talk about his serve and volley game. His his serve and you know we were watching the the, the Australian Open finals, and I was watching it with my brother, right. and I told him Nadal is not going to have so many aces in the game, right? You know, because his strength isn't his serve. Right. You know, but it's it's his volley. It's you know, those moments where you need Robin Hood accuracy. That's what he gives you. He does unbelievable things in that court. You know, so Rafael Nadal's mental toughness is what got him that win at the Australian Open. I'll make this claim: he won against Medvedev, and Medvedev right. is outstanding. Would, would you would you court. consider would you consider him the best of the young of this generation right now? On hard court, yes. On hard court, yes, by far. Okay, okay. Right. And and what I will say, why he beat Medvedev was the mind. You see, we have watched classics. I'll call them classics between Djokovic, who I think mentally is the only player in history to match Nadal mentally. That's saying These a whole. Guys, lot. That's saying a hell of a lot. I, I love this. Go ahead. I'm. I would like to say it even Mentally, more so than the, even more so than Federer. More than Federer. Wow! I will say that's great. Mentally, mentally, I watched these two go in 2012. All right, six let's go to let, let, six let's hours. Let's go straight. Let's go straight to that 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 championship Grand Slam final, 2012. Because I know you're biting at the chomp to talk about it. Talk about that wait. match. Talk about the the greatness of both players and. Exactly. Yeah. Why, why, why one? Why the result happened the way it did? In your opinion, go ahead, big man. Uh, Nadal was a fun favorite. You see, Nadal is loved as much as Federer, uh, not as much as Federer, but he's loved because you know it was Federer and Nadal. Federer, Nadal, and you know, out of the blue comes Djokovic. 
And Djokovic is from Eastern Europe, and you know Eastern Europe's reception on the world in the world is not so good. Right. So I think that plays a role. And Nadal is an outstanding player. So it's the finals, Nadal and Djokovic. And Djokovic wins a set, Nadal wins another. Djokovic wins a set. Keep in mind, it's a best of five. You know? Right, right. So it's 2-2. Two, two. And these men are tired. There's a time where Djokovic collapsed on the pitch. You know, when, when they win um, titles and they just throw the rocket away and just collapse right. into the ground, you know? Right, Djokovic right. did that mid-game, mid-game. Like, that's how tired they were. They wow. went six hours, six hours straight going at each other. And, you know, one man that never collapsed at any moment, Rafael Nadal. The, he was always there, ready for the next play. Let, let me, before you continue, <laughs> every time I've seen Nadal at a major match, yeah. he doesn't look like he gets tired. Where is this endless stamina come from? <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, mentally, that's what I'm saying. Mentally, these things take, take you know, they, they play a part. I mean, if you remember Mike Tyson, he once said, if he, I bowled you before a fight and you blinked, you were done. You, you were well, done. You, you know, you <laughs> know who had that, you know, who had the, the one tennis player that always had that effect at tennis was Serena Williams. She stepped on the court. And if she gave you a glare, many, many a times the match was over before it started because these young these young girls, uh, young white girls, be like, yeah, oh, I, I, I can't be. There was a <laughs> back in 2002 or 2003, MTV did a, a an episode called My Life, a day, a day in the life of Serena Williams, and they showed yeah. her before the Miami Open. I, I, you know that they consider that the fifth, the fifth major, the unofficial fifth major, right? And yeah, yeah, her versus Jennifer Capriati. And they're 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 waiting to come out, and Capriati is eyeballing her like, what the fuck is this? What what? <laughs> That's like, the she, she had never seen players. a physical specimen like that before, because we know the Serena of two thousand two to two thousand four was built like no other female athlete had ever been built before. Big ass, muscular yeah. calves, thick thighs. Uh, I mean, she was built, and Capriati looked at her. And Capriati, when she first came out, people were looking at her as a as a muscular a, 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 a tennis player. No, she wasn't a pimple on Serena's plump ass. And she was looking at Serena <laughs> like, what, what am I about to face? And you could tell she was beat before the match even started. <laughs> that, 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 exactly. that, that's the only tennis player I ever saw where you could make that comparison because Mike – in early in his career, before Buster Douglas ended that mystique, yeah. all he had to do was step in the ring, and he the fight was over. The 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 opponent either was going to get knocked out early or would hold just to go the whole 10, 12 rounds. All right, continue with that incredible, exactly. epic match. <laughs> and and exactly, and I think Djokovic talked about it. Where he said, you know, you your your legs are tired. They're not there. You know, you can't you can't feel your legs. But you're looking at a man who feels like, come on, this is, let's go. And that was Rafa. Rafa's man, mental toughness. I can only say Djokovic. Because keep in mind, it's 2012. The fans, the fan favorite is Nadal. And they're playing five sets. Five hours are gone. 
And right now, you need all the help you can get from, you know, the fans and whatever. Mm. And this man is flopping on the ground. Nadal is throwing shots at him. So is Djokovic. I would like to say that match is when Djokovic stole my heart. But I can only say this. Nadal did not lose based off skill or anything. It was just persistence from Djokovic so forcing you're saying, the other so player you're to make Novak, Novak wanted it more that night. I would say Novak wanted it more, but it's a big claim to say someone wants something more than Nadal. <laughs> it's, it's a very big claim, but I would say Novak did. And I would come back to uh, the Australian Open we had this year. If, if Medvedev was just half as killer as Novak, he'd see through that game. But Nad- because you could see Nadal lost two sets and the third sets, he still is commanding the crowd. Like, he, it, it's like he's not even two sets down, you know? And that right there plays you know, in someone's mind. You just make a great point. You, and I just thought of something while you were talking. Yeah. In most of the world, when Novak faces Federer or Nadal, yeah. he's, not, he's not the crowd favorite. He's not, he's the, not the crowd favorite. So that mental toughness has to have him overcome that because we know that athletes are spurred on by the cheer of the crowd. Yeah. How many times Nadal owns France? He goes at no one unless you were born in France. If Yannick Noah was around today, maybe he gets half the crowd's uh, 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 cheers. But nobody is going to get the support that Nadal. Nadal's the king of France, period. End of story. He's the king of France. He, he has a statue there, a very beautiful statue right there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so know what? He's always going to get so for Novak to overcome Nadal that night. Win that <sighs> and that tournament. That tournament showed that he was he belonged on their level, yeah. and he hasn't disappointed since. He's been on an incredible, incredible role since then. And it's, I before, always, before then, though. To just to just uh, sorry to cut you before. No, then, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Kevin. Before then, he was losing to Nadal and Federer, but he right. said he needed to tune his mind. He he knew it was mental, and when he did that, he he has a better record for, against them than they do. He he, he, has he, what, did, he did what Andy Murray and Andy Roddick couldn't do. Exactly, just sneak into that, sneak yep. into those two, you know, mm-hmm. beat them. Mm-hmm. So I will say Nadal lost that game in 2012, not because he wasn't the better player or whatever. I mm-hmm. think both brought it that day. But, you know, errors happen. It, you're human. Errors happen, and Djokovic won off that. You know, he won off that. But he deserved it more than anything. He deserved it. But he won off an error. Or it errors. was one of those matches, Kevin, that once again I make the analogy to boxing because boxing and tennis are very similar yeah. in that you have to have the utmost mental strength to overcome any type of adversity in boxing yeah. I, I i it w- it was akin to a fight between two great fighters and even yeah. though there was a winner neither lost because both, exactly. came, out of, well both came out of there with uh incredible adulation by everybody who watched it like oh man yeah he lost but he won my heart that night but, exactly. but, but if, if Novak doesn't win that match, though, people will look at him differently. Oh, he took him to the wire, but he still would have that monkey on his back. The fact that the, he took the monkey off his back and exactly. beat well, Nadal well put. Well put. On, the wor- on the world stage, 
Wack. I just can't imagine, and you can go into it, how much confidence that brought into because now I can beat these guys. Yeah. You see, when, when, when Djokovic came onto the scene, he had the talent to beat them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say he, he looked like he can, but he didn't have the mental, he didn't have the mental tools. You know, because I will say this, every point in tennis, every single point in tennis matters. See, if if it's, it's not like basketball, uh, we all love basketball, but if, if, if the game is tied at 50 and we playing, you know, and you score and it's 52, you know, I don't, I, f- I feel like I can, I'm going to get a chance, you know, mm. but if you're saving and I have 15 love and I get 30, now that really, that really rattles you up. You know, every single moment in that court matters. And so when you're playing someone like Federer or Nadal, who the whole crowd is cheering, first of all, secondly, they know they can beat you mentally and physically. Nadal will beat you mentally. I'm telling you, if you watch him walk onto that court, he walks onto that court like a man that knows, I'm just going to collect this victory. Regardless he's, of whatever, he, he, he walks on like this victory is mine. Uh, I'm a, I'm going to make it a, another comparison. Nadal yeah. walks onto the court like a Kobe or Jordan used to walk on a basketball court, where I'm the best exactly. player on this court, and you're not going. And LeBron too. People want to criticize LeBron, but when when you watch in basketball today, LeBron's still the only guy I see when he gets on the court that has that arrogance <laughs> that that. Man, I'm the best player on this court. No one's going to outshine me without having to say it. It's just their aura. Kobe, LeBron, exactly. uh, uh, Jordan, the Dow has that. You look, when you watch him warm up, so when you watch him come out to the court, he's got that look. And it's not smug. It's not a look of smugness. It's a look because he's smiling most of the time. That man's always lighting up the crowd with his smile. He's a very graceful player. He's a very graceful player, yeah. You could just, it's royalty. You could, he knows he's a king and he knows that he's going to (laughs) win. He knows he doesn't have to say it. He doesn't have to say it for you to know you're in trouble, you know. So he's the most intimidating player. I, I will say he's the most intimidating player that is on tour. If if you watch him warm up and you know, if they say let's go, and he has a bit of obsessive compul- uh, compulsiveness with him when he is. This is a fact people don't know about him. When he when he you know when you play uh, when you serve and return and whatever and the point is won, you get a chance to go to the to the towels and get you know uh, the sweat right. off your face. Right, 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 right. Down. Nadal likes to arrange them so neatly that my, my mama will be proud. You know, Paul, he has put his his water bottles in line. He has to put his, everything of his has got to be in absolute order. But while every other player, of oh, course. Oh, so he, he's got OCD on the tennis court. Right he's got OCD. I will say he has OCD. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's an interesting fact about him. Yeah. It's it's like a ritual for him. He has about five bottles of water right in front of him. He takes one, puts the other down, takes one, puts the other down in the same order, and then he's back on court. And you're like, come on. <laughs> so he is very intimidating. You know, he has that routine that makes you feel like, oh, yeah, he knows what he's doing. 
you know, I might be in a moment where I feel like, you know, this game is going and, you know, I'm just getting through it, but he looks like he knows what to do. And just think about, and he's a fan favorite. So that, of course, pushes him on. That pushes him on. I have not seen a player in, in, in tennis, I will say, that comes back from injuries with the same fire that he had when he got injured. You know, it's like these injuries are excuses. If you watch him play, if they tell you Nadal is injured today and tomorrow he's back, if you watch him play, you will say, come is a gladiator, I will say. And that game in 2012, they played to the extent that at the end, when they were giving Djokovic um, his title, he, they were both seated. They brought them seats. They couldn't bear to stand. Think about that. They had the legs. They had to bring them seats and, and say, you know what? The speech is gone because these guys cannot stand. And, and that's what, you see, that's what I'm saying. If Medvedev has a little bit of Djokovic in him, he, he'd, have, he'd have gone the distance. But if you remember in the third, uh, in the set that Nadal equalized, uh, no, that Nadal won it, actually, Medvedev broke Nadal's serve. Yes. And we are like, come on. We're like, hey, come hey, on, you know. He, he broke, he broke, didn't he break Nadal's serve in the third set when he's up two sets already? Oh, yeah, he did that too. But he didn't and, see and, it out. And, and, and at that point in time, and shout out to our buddy Derek out there. I think Derek, yeah. <laughs> Derek was like, I think I'm turning this shit off right now. <laughs> <laughs> I fell asleep because A, I was disappointed and the Dow wasn't playing well. And right around the time, say, yeah. I had the TV on and I fell out. I woke up three hours later because, uh, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. while this match was being shown at a decent time in your country, it was out, it was on yeah, at four yeah. o'clock in the morning in my country. So around five AM I fell out. Woke up around eight, eight thirty yeah. to find out he came back at one. And I'm like, what the fuck? What the I went back and watched it and I'm like, he didn't choke. Nadal wanted it more. Nadal uh, yeah. wanted it more. Exactly. You see, during that game, uh, one of my I have a brother, bro, who had come from the United States. He had spent 13 years there. Shout mm -hmm. out to him. So he had come on that Sunday, on that Saturday. And that Sunday, we have in uh, this whole lunch together, and we following we, because we have it outside in in the gardens, and we following it on on the phone. And we're like, "Come on, Medvedev is two sits up," and and everyone is like, uh, "Nadal is Nadal is done." And I saw Derek tweet saying the only guy that can come from two sets down against Medvedev, who's the best player on, on, on hard court in the newcomers, is Djokovic. And I'm like, come on, don't, don't count out Rafa. I tweeted back saying no, yeah, Rafa. I, I remember that. But a shout out to Derek. Shout out to Derek. He didn't shout out to Derek. He didn't turn the TV exactly. off. He sat there. <laughs> and when I woke up and I was reading your, your back and forth, I was like, oh, shit. He came through. Oh, it, it was amazing because I had to I had to sell my food and say, come on, guys, I, I have to finish this. I have unfinished business with Nadal. So I have to go and watch the game. <laughs> and so I'm watching the game. And when Nadal gets that one set, I'm like, this Medvedev is finished. Because also after he, Nadal, because after he won the third set, you thought even though he was still down a set that it was his yeah. win. I knew it was his to win because Djokovic and Nadal like this, if you play them 
and they're not having the best game or you getting something out of the game, if they sniff blood, you're done. You see, they don't need a lot of momentum to get going. This is something, they're like um, Ferraris. You know, Ferraris don't need a lot of acceleration to get to their top speed. They could just snap and go. Oh, that's who they are. And you're Nadal and you're winning your two sets up and he gets one. Oh, come on. Now, now you're in trouble, you know, because right there, that gives him a fire. I don't know where it comes from. He gets a fire to keep going. And, he, you know, he's going to throw everything at you for every minute of that game. And Medvedev lost it mentally. You could see the way he served when he broke Nadal's serve. He, he served like a schoolgirl. Yeah, because it was in his hands. You know, and, he was, yeah. mentally was in his hands. Yeah, and he chalked. But Nadal won't do that. He won't do that. Oh, when you see him prepare himself for that game, man, it's it's so intimidating. All right, Glad talk he... about talk about some of his other great Grand Slam victories uh, that that oh, that, uh, that you've seen over the years. That that um, really amazed you and told you, man, yeah. this guy is an unstoppable force. Uh, first of all, I think he is greater than Federer. I would like to put it out there. Uh, he has a better record against Federer too. We will, we will, we will. You will have plenty of time to break down all three at the end of the episode. So save that. Put that on your head. He he had a game. He has had multiple games, uh, classics against Djokovic. One of the ones where I really knew he is something was uh, I think two years ago. Two years ago, uh, he played Djokovic French Open finals, and Djokovic had been. Sweeping the tournament, Djokovic, Djokovic was made light walk of like three sets to nil. The match didn't take long. Nadal was so efficient, you know. And at the end of the game, Djokovic was asked um, to talk about it, and he said, "You know, you, you you can't say anything about that. That's Nadal. Like he came through today. I could not do anything about this." And if a player comes on, a great player comes on and says, you beat me to the point that I couldn't do anything about it, that is perfection right there. And Nadal did that. French Open. It was two years ago. He beat the shit out of Djokovic. <laughs> like, it wasn't even funny. Mm. You know, like, he beat him. And these guys, everyone's watching this game. Like, everyone's like, you know, Djokovic is the only guy that can stand a chance. And Nadal goes, come on, guys. He bit him. Like, Djokovic didn't touch him. It was by the way, so By efficient. the way, ladies and gentlemen, just to piggyback on what Kevin just said, yeah. as great as Novak is, and I know Kevin holds yeah. him in high regard. I hold him in high regard. His two yeah. French Open wins, Nadal yeah. wasn't in the finals, right? Uh, yeah, Djokovic, I'll go to that. I think I can go to that. Um, yeah. You see, this is again going to be one of the reasons why you, why Nadal will be great to people's ears after this. So Djokovic beat, managed to beat Nadal in, uh, I think, 2013. I'm not sure they are. He beat Nadal in the French Open. Right, but it wasn't the finals. the finals. It was early. It was, it, was, right. it, it was in the semis. Yeah, it was right. in the semis. Right. So Djokovic goes to the finals against Stanislas Wawrinka. And he is bitten. Like, Djokovic does not turn up. The other guy to beat Nadal in the semis, 
Who was it, Djokovic? You know what? I did. I didn't Which? understand. I didn't understand that. Uh, well, no, I can't understand that. It it it, it happens a lot in all all sports. Uh, you see it yeah. especially. You see it especially in single elimination games, like playoff games, like yeah. in the NFL, where you know, I remember one year the Green Bay Packers uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks were way behind in the fourth quarter. Russell Wilson leads them to an improbable comeback. Then the yeah. following week, they lose in the same fashion to the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. I mean, you beat the Packers when you should when you shouldn't have won, and then you should win the next game and you lose to the Patriots. You don't give the ball. Exactly. You're right. So that's that's an analogy here. Everybody no, no. Let swore me explain. Novak, Let me explain. Novak is yeah. going to win the French. And exactly, because he had beat the greatest player on clay. And he goes to the finals and he yep. is washed. Like, he does not show up. The other guy to do that, uh, I'm just not good with his name, but again, that happened. And I'm a someone that's really good. I'm a very big on mental toughness. And one of the coaches, Djokovic's coaches said, what happened was mentally, you take the next game for granted. That, that's what that you happens, were getting. That happens in sports all the think about, time. Think about how great Nadal must be that if you beat him, except Djokovic this time, who won the French after beating him in the semis again, you, you, you will get beaten in the finals to a degree that you won't recognize yourself. Because if you, if mentally, you, if you, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Kevin. Mentally, subconsciously, your mentor is like, well, you have beat the greatest. This has got to be yours. And you might talk yourself out of it, but your physical, your body will work with the subconscious thought of, I beat Nadal. You're not Nadal. I can beat you. And, and when you do that in tennis or in any other sport that requires mm -hmm. mental toughness of a, high, of a higher degree, you lose. And, and when I had that, I was like, man, Nadal has got to be the greatest. Think about that. Like, I could say when, when people beat Federer in, on, on, on hard court or grass, they could go on and win. But this, this was the first time last year, the first time that someone beat Nadal in the semis and that someone won the French Open. Amazing. For his whole career, <laughs> think about it. The mm -hmm. is 30, 36, right? He'll be he'll his be 30. Career. He'll be what he'll be 30, 30. Will he be 36 be or 37 30. in June? I know he's he's think he's, about he's, that. Yeah, go ahead. He's in his mid 30s. Think yeah. about think about that. His whole career. This is the only time. So that speaks of dominance to the highest degree. I would say the most dominant displays you might you might add another one here. The most dominant sport have been able to know about. It's Nadal on clay in tennis. It's unbelievable. Think about that. Eighty-one games consecutively. <laughs> thirteen. He has 13, thirteen French Open. French Open. <laughs> It's 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 unreal. It's unreal. which is almost which it's is almost doubled. Is, which is yeah. almost doubled beyond Borg. But then again, beyond Borg has an excuse. I inexplicably Borg retired in his prime. I, didn't, I never understood that. Yeah. And then he blew all his money on cocaine and broads and came back a shell of himself. Uh, he should have never retired to begin with. Because Borg, <laughs> no one, yeah. no one could fuck with Borg on clay back then. He was killing everybody. Had won seven French Opens and then retires. 
<laughs> so um, <laughs> I, I would like to pose this question to you. Um, do you think Bjorn uh, is a better player on, on clay than Rafa Nadal? No. A better player? No. You've, you've had the honor of watching no. more. I told you that for years I considered Borg. Yeah. Borg, before, before the age of 23, 24, when he retired, he had 13 yeah. Grand Slams, seven Frenches, six Wimbledons. He retired. He retired. So he would have <laughs> yeah. obliterated the record book. Because he, he was, you know, because of Federer and Nadal and Novak are winning Grand Slams in their 30s. Borg got all his Grand Slams before he was 25. He would have obliterated the record book. It would, no one would have ever caught up to him. Because eventually he would have won a U.S. Open. He kept losing to Connors and McEnroe in the U.S. Finals. He'd make the finals, but he couldn't win. And yeah. Australia, Australia, many times, he didn't even show up. I, I mean, he didn't even go to the tournament. Because even though the Australian Open in the 70s and 80s was considered a major, was a, officially a major, a lot of uh, American players like uh, a Connors and uh, a McEnroe, or you know, I, mean, I know a Borg's not American, but they would say, man, I'm not traveling. I'm not traveling. And it would happen during, back then, the uh, Australian Open occurred in December around Christmas time. And these guys want to spend time with their families. They don't want to go to Australia when it's during the Christmas yeah. holiday season. So a lot, if you look at the record books, a lot of Australian open winners back then were guys that never won anything else because, you know, the, the, the <laughs> field was weak. Yeah. So just, just yeah. on Wimbledon and France alone, he's got 13 by the age of 25 when he retires. That being said, yeah. that being said, I give Nadal the, the 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 edge. I give Nadal. I mean, yeah, I give Nadal the edge because he did it for for longer. Uh, but my ultimate yeah. dream matchup would be a 21, 22 year old Borg versus a 22 year old Nadal on clay in the French okay. Open finals. That match, Kevin, would probably go on for two, three days. <laughs> you know how the fifth set, you gotta you. you, you uh, Right, the fifth set, you there's no you, if there's a tiebreaker, that tiebreaker would be something like the winner would be like 203 to 201. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if Borg, Borg, Borg like the Dow was special on clay, he was unbeatable. Yeah, and you see, um, Federer was was flat when Federer was when when the Federer rough on the Dow ever was going on, Federer was more flat. I mean, Federer yeah. is the is the most he's the most beautiful player to watch. He's like a ballerina. Yes. But Nadal was. Uh, you. Was I mean, resistant. man. You, hold on, Kevin. You just hit something that a reporter wrote about many, many years ago, in comparing yeah. Federer to Mikhail Baryshnikov. Yeah. Talk about ballerina. Talk say? about ballet. He was ballet on the tennis court. Man, Federer is. He's like an artist. You might look at it and, and it's like he's painting a picture. Yeah. And Nadal is that guy that's whatever you bring to me, I'm coming with more. And two, that's why there were two different uh, there were two different styles. That why that's why styles. that rivalry exactly. was so intense and so incredible to watch. Exactly. You know, because Federer's Federer has a backhand. I call it the backhand from heaven. His backhand <laughs> is it's unreal. It's unrealistic. It's effortless. He just swings it. <laughs> you making a, you're making another comparison to another sport that you love, uh, the left hand of God. <laughs> the left hand of God, Maradona. Yeah. 
exactly. If <laughs> I feel like God gave us two things, Maradona's left hand and Federer's back hand. Federer's <laughs> back hand. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, you should you should watch it. I mean, I was telling someone yesterday um, that for my for Valentine's, I, I if I had a girlfriend right now, mm-hmm. I would give her a tape, a compilation, a compilation. You know. Of Lionel Messi playing football, <laughs> you know, it's that beautiful. And Federer as well would give someone, you know, sexual excitement. If you watch, <laughs> if you watch him play, come on, especially in his prime, not when he's grown old in his and, prime. And also, also, he's a very handsome man. So for him, and, <laughs> and, and, and so, and and he's graceful on the court. So watching all of that, I could definitely see how it would turn a woman on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and you see, one other thing about this, too, is Nadal was passionate. Every play, passionate. Nadal is probably the most passionate player I've ever watched, you know. If he wins and you watch him fist and you watch him, you know, punch the air in celebration, you know, you feel this man wanted it. And Federer was more of a stoic. Federer was like, come on, you know. It's 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 very, very few times where you where Federal lets out emotion. You know, he's I think the, the, the perfect one, gentleman. When, when, <laughs> you he, know. when he won uh what was the tournament a few years back where everybody had written Federer off and he won it oh, and yeah. he showed the most emotion he ever did? What what was that tournament? I uh, Kevin, I think it's his twentieth major. I yes, think it's his twentieth major. Right, yes. Because everybody and, and wrote was, him off. They said he was done. Yeah, and I think he beat Nadal in that final. And that final is just as epic as anything can be because it was in Australia and everyone is a beat of a fan of both. And these two are 30-something going at it at the highest level, you know, and everyone is just, you know, happy that they're alive in this moment. I believe in America that was the highest rating ESPN ever had for a tennis match, and it and it aired at like uh, five o'clock in the morning. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just think about it. Just think about it. It's it's unbelievable, you know, when when you watch Federer play, and Nadal is this thing. Every play, he's going to show emotion. You know, he's going to bust out. You know, and Federer is more of a gentleman, and it's two different people, two different styles, but you know, they're all artists. When you look so at I the think, when you look at the three, right, real quick, you yeah, look at the yeah. three and they have what sixty one to get all all told. Uh, oh, yeah, Grand they have sixty one slams. Yeah, twenty one, twenty, and twenty. Right? Imagine, yeah. imagine. I'm not gonna say uh, if two are eliminated. Imagine if you just eliminate one from the equation, the amount yeah. the other two would have. Let's let's just since he came <laughs> out the since he came out last. Let's say Novak never plays tennis. Yeah. No such yeah. thing as a Novak ever ever existed. Imagine the yeah. number of championships Nadal <laughs> would have right now. And and you know one of the things that kind of get Nadal out of it, and at the same time make him more extraordinary, is he his injuries really really hurt him. So he could go like one slump a year, you know. And and just think about if he was if he had the fitness. Of Novak, Novak's fitness is unrealistic. Hey, look, like, look, the same. So applies, if he had that, the same applies to Serena in tennis. Serena lost a lot of time due to pregnancy, due exactly. to uh, a blood clot, 
the the murder of her sister. You come those three. She she spent significant amount of time away from the court with those three incidents in her life, and she still won twenty three majors. If she if she only misses one year of his of a career, over thirty pregnancy, yeah, yeah, over thirty easily. Uh, with Nadal, you could you could you could make the same argument, right? Exactly. He's his body lets him down. I'll say that. If he had the, I, I think it's, I would like. But to Kevin, Joe, Kevin, Joe don't you think his body gives out because of how aggressive he plays? Oh yeah, I would say that. And he he once said he's had a foot problem for, I think, twelve years, and and he doesn't know what to do about it. Well, you know? look, he's he's <laughs> constantly moving. There is nothing to do about it. You know, he's always, you know, but I would say that that is why. That probably is why. He yeah. really works his body out. You know, you I can mean, see that. Those I legs, think... those legs, the, the <laughs> amount of mileage he's put on those legs is more yeah. than Novak and, 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 and Federer because Novak and Federer don't run up and down the court like, like They don't do that. They don't... <laughs> <laughs> the man is, is, is constant motion, man. He's amazing to watch. You see, if I would like to say if Djokovic um, did not exist and, you know, right. whoever gave him his, his right. ability for his body gave it to Nadal, you know, because Fedra has been there for a while. It's only now that his right. knees, right. you know, right. fucking him up. Nadal right. would have, would, I think Nadal would have over, over 35, come on, over, th- because he, I don't know anyone on, on tour who can beat Nadal twice in a year. Unless mm. it's Djokovic, who wouldn't be right. existing in this hypothetical. Right. So, right, right, man, he would. I think he would be what Serena is to to tennis, undisputed. Now, let me get to the most you know, important question. These white people. Look, look. Even Martina yeah, Navratilova, because Martina has commented on many of Serena's Grand Slam finals and semifinals. Even Martina yeah. will begrudgingly say, well, you know, I, I can't say she would beat me because I'm a competitor, but God damn, it'd be <laughs> tough. That's to me the mission of I can't fuck with him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, the most important question I ask all my co-hosts, and this yeah. is going to be a lengthy discussion, so take your time. Since right. you started watching tennis, and I'm going to give you since 2005, all right? This should be easy yeah, for you. Yeah. But yeah. let's have a lengthy discussion about it. Your top five, no, your Mount Rushmore of tennis players, male tennis players, since 2005. Yeah. Give a thorough, start with number four, and give a thorough uh, uh, discussion, a, a thorough uh, take on each guy. Your number four. I'll, I'll say uh, from number four, it's Andy Murray. Okay. Well, I'll choose Andy Murray, is, and I would like to make this clear to anyone listening. Andy Murray is not close to the three. He's not even close. You know, British media likes to say the big four. Come on, there is no, no big no. four. There is no but big four. You have a holy trinity. That's it. Right? <laughs> it's only, that's it. But I would put him at four. <laughs> I would put him at four. Um, he's got about three grand slams. Uh, Murray, um, one, one thing about him is his persistence. Murray gave his whole life to that court. You know, he had a hip problem and he had a, his he had his hip replaced and mm-hmm. he's come back and he's still trying to play tennis. 
I yeah, respect he, he can he he could never win at a world class level with he, a with he, a with a with a replacement hip. He can't he can't do that. But no. he still goes. It's like I mean, I'll make I'll make Mario's a comparison. I'll make a comparison. Bo yeah. Jackson had a replacement hit, and he yeah. couldn't play football anymore. Came back to play baseball. He was still able to hit home runs. He had thirty four home runs in two seasons with a replace with yeah. with a replaced hip. He just couldn't run anymore. That's why he had to retire. You you you, exactly. you need your real hip in order to <laughs> go back and forth on the tennis court. <laughs> And it's what I always tell people, um, Mari in Grand Slams lately, he gets beaten by, you know, players that are playing at a higher intensity than him. And I say, if he got the chance to meet Nadal or Djokovic, this game would end in 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he can't, he he can't keep have up with him. He can't keep You're number up three. And You're number three. My number three is, is, is Roger Federer. Roger. Talk about his greatness. Talk about why you have him at number three, and talk about him just as a as, as a competitor um, on court. Roger Federer is, I would say, one of the most beautiful things about him, except his backhand, is <laughs> is his calmness. His calmness. And recently, I was watching Kobe talk about Steph Curry. You know, one of the most beautiful players I've watched play, Steph. Right. And he said, uh, "Don't that." thing he sees about Steph is his calmness, his ability to stay in the moment. Federer, he is so calm. I mean, if you watch him, you wouldn't realize this is a tennis game or this is a finals. He plays every play the way he's What did you to. say? His stoicness. His stoicness, exactly. It's, it's unbelievable. It's so gentle, graceful. He's a graceful player. And he has 20 majors. That's, of course, talking about consistency, longevity. I mean, that goes a long way. I mean, he was the king before these two kings, you know, I'm, we've been talking about. And so you know, I would say and you know what's Federer, funny? He, he, he's number three on your list. Uh, he, yeah, uh, he's number three he, on my list. He ended, he, ended the, he ended the career of the former king, and that was Sampras. Sampras last major. Yeah. Federer beat him, and then Federer went on to have that incredible role before these two kings popped up. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, <laughs> and um, I would like to make it clear: these three, the Holy Trinity that we talk about, everyone has that one thing that the others don't have. So I'm gonna give yes. Federer what he has over the others. Mm -hmm. He is the most beautiful of the three to watch play. If 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 I had one more hour on light on on Earth. And, 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 you know, God told me his pick a ticket and I'm not putting my love for Djokovic because it's deep. Right. And he says, just pick what an experience on earth that you might remember in the afterlife. It's federal play. Federal's play is it, it's beautiful. It, I wouldn't compare it basketball wise to probably, I don't know what this, basketball doesn't have. Or maybe you can help me here. Something about them that's stoic, graceful, and just perfect. Like perfect play. Kobe is a little bit too Nadal. He, you know? yeah, the Kobe, <laughs> Kobe's more Nadal. like Nadal. Uh, exactly. Uh, you, you might see me uh, trying to think. Oh, I, I got man, this, man. He, you, 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 you. Greatest who, who national basketball player of all time, Hakeem Olajuwon. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. Hakeem. Yeah. Federer Hakeem, the the Hakeem Olajuwon of tennis. 
Uh, what about Kareem? Kareem. Kareem wasn't as as aesthetically beautiful as Hakeem Olajuwon. Exactly. Hakeem had the most beautiful game I've ever seen. Just like you claim, uh, Federer has the most beautiful game, and I can't I can't argue with Federer having the most beautiful tennis game. And Hakeem so <laughs> stoic. Hakeem never showed emo- uh, uh, emotion, probably due to his deep Muslim faith. You never saw yeah. him. He, he was always lose his head. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You couldn't like you couldn't, you couldn't bang him hard. You couldn't give him a hard foul. He just get up and dunk on you the next time or block your shot. <laughs> <laughs> Or shake you, know, you out of the drawers. <laughs> <laughs> you see, um, if, if if to the listeners who have a big love for football, I would say Federer is the Lionel Messi of tennis. If you watch Messi or Zidane, that's Federer. He's Let the most beautiful. Quick, watch. quick, quick question about Messi: Does he yeah. need a World Cup to solidify his legacy? <sighs> Um, I, would I keep say, hearing that. I know, keep hearing that from hardcore football fans. You being one, what's your take? Yeah. On that? Here's my take. Uh, Lionel Messi is already, in my opinion, the greatest player of all time. Okay. He needs the World Cup to be the undisputed greatest of all time. Because you got uh, you, you get, got guys older than me that will yeah, die. You, you will say, Pe- that will tell you Pelé, 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 Pelé. You know they, They'll kill, Pelle, you. You know. They'll kill you if you bench, <laughs> if you, you you even claim that Messi is better than <laughs> but his, his, Messi has a bit of everything. I mean, yeah. I mean, okay, here's what I'll tell you, Roberto. If you had the player who passes like the best players of all time pass the ball, who dribbles like the greatest dribblers dribble, who scores like the greatest scores of all time, that's Messi. He has everything. Pele was not as good a passer as Messi. But anyway. No, Pe- uh, from the clips I've seen and from what older guys have told me, he's, yeah. he, they consider him the greatest scorer. He exactly. was more like a more like a Jordan, more, more like the Jordan of football. And Kobe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Kobe, That's more it. like that. While the way you yeah. talk about Messi sounds more LeBron-esque. Exactly, more LeBron-esque. And um, so back to Federer. Federer is that. I would say that. And uh, 20 slams, come on. That's, that's unbelievable. Consistency is unbelievable to watch. Everyone and, he, and, and until knows. until the other two came about, nobody yeah. was beating him. He was the king. Nobody was the only thing him. he could yeah. win, though, he kept the French Open was his Achilles heel. <sighs> yeah, and when the king of the French Open came, it didn't help him as well. <laughs> he didn't help him. So, yeah, yeah. But that's why he's my third. Because that's one reason why in my Mount Rushmore of tennis, I don't have Sampras on that Mount Rushmore. It's your three plus Borg because Sampras was horrible on clay. He was horrible on clay. All right. You can't. The media was trying to say he was the greatest. The American media, A, he's American. B, he's white. They were trying to proclaim him as the greatest tennis player of all time. You can't be the greatest tennis player of all time, Kevin, in my opinion, and I don't know if you agree with this, if you can't win on clay. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I agree. You've got to be a little bit of both, you know? And that's why the other two are are better than him because 
they have won the slam twice on each surface. I mean, you, right. you can't dispute that. Yeah. Um, so who's, second, your, who's your number two? Is your number two Nadal? My number two is Rafael Nadal, yes. Go ahead, go ahead. And we, I mean, Nadal, to me, is better than Federer because, look, he doesn't have the luxury of playing like Federer. I will say this. If you are as good, as good, as good as LeBron at playing basketball, you know, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's easier to play like you play, but if a player works out, works you, then that player to me gets more respect. That's why I say it's harder to be uh, um, to be Kobe than it is to be LeBron. I mean, if you look at Kobe, he dedicated his life to yep. basketball. I'm yep. not saying LeBron is not. I don't know much about LeBron in that way. But I would say everyone knows Kobe's life was about the game. So well, he was born with a so His father was an NBA ball player, so he's born with a basketball <laughs> script. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's it's so hard to be obsessive about work, however much you love it. You know. And you know See, what? I, I like I like I like the, the comparison you made between Kobe and LeBron, and and I'm going to add this. Yeah. LeBron looks like he would have succeeded in anything in life. If LeBron wanted to be a college professor, he would have been <laughs> one of the greatest college professors of all time. He's that brilliant. If he wanted to be. Yeah. If he wanted to be an NFL running back or tight end, he would have been one of the greatest ever. I always said that LeBron yeah. would have been an incredible boxer because of his mental toughness and because of his incredible athleticism. Uh, yeah. Kobe could only be great at one thing. That was basketball. He ate, slept. And, uh, he, 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 he was, it, was, it had to be basketball. Well, with LeBron, it could be, it could be so many th other things. Look, he's an incredible exactly. businessman right now. I mean, he was the executive producer of that incredible Neymar documentary. I mean, he's got his hands into all these things. Oh, yeah. And he, he is, uh, I mean, he owns shares in Liverpool. Think about that. He, he owns he's, shares in Liverpool. He's, he, club, he, so. he's, got, he's got, forget generational wealth. He's got 10 generation, generations of wealth. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And one of the things I always tell people that they might overlook while talking about LeBron is, in his career, he's never been in a scandal. He's and he's a black man. Think about that. I because can't because he's he had, been in a because he had a coach in high school, uh, Drew Joyce, yeah. who made yeah. sure because LeBron was already on the cover of national magazines at 16 years old. His coach, yeah. uh, Joyce, a fellow black man, went over and said, "Look, I know you don't have a father." But I'm going to make sure that these hawks don't come at you and that you're not uh, with the wrong crowd. Right. And he, yeah, yeah. and he was there for him every step of the way. And LeBron offered him to be part of his management team. And what the coach, Joy, he kindly turned him down and said, no, I'm going to stay here in Akron as a high school coach because yeah. my job. God put me on this planet to guide young men, young boys into becoming men, right? And, and to this day, he's still coaching in Akron. That, the level of respect that man has to have when he's turning down millions of dollars. Because to him, yeah. dealing with the youth is more important than hanging out with a superstar athlete that you help be a father for. Yeah. So that's why LeBron, you never end. LeBron married his college, his high school sweetheart. 
right? Exactly. All these other I mean, guys you talk about, they're <laughs> frolicking left and right. No, LeBron married his high school sweetheart. Exactly. And LeBron knows that everybody's watching him. So he doesn't, he just can't be a good man. He's got to be a great yeah. man in terms of what he does off the field. Because that one slip up, they make fun of him yeah. if he falls asleep doing practice or he's bobbing his head to music. Imagine if he fucked up. Uh, exactly. I mean, they make fun of him if he's reading the front page of a book. You know? <laughs> so imagine if they catch him you cheating know? on his wife with some hook with, with, with a stripper or something. Oh, my God. Forget it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he's a black man and yep. he's gone his career without 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 anything. Anything, as and, much and, as he never, and he That's, never will because he, he's built different. Exactly. That's unbelievable from LeBron James. And Federer as well, I would say. So back to Nadal. Um, he doesn't have the luxury of playing as good as Federer. Right. But he matched to him because he is passionate, relentless, and he has the mind of I love of that a warrior, you, know? you know what I'm going from now on I'm going to call him the Kobe Bryant of tennis Absolutely yeah he'd be the Kobe Bryant of tennis mm -hmm. I would say that I would say that because he does not give anything up nothing you know he'd rather die on that court. Yep. you know he he usually says in his in his Spanish accent that um you know for him uh it's was to not appear mentally than to win and yet you are not mentally there. He doesn't like yeah. that. He'd prefer to lose and he's mentally there. So to me, and I'm big on mental, mental toughness because I feel like tennis is the mentally uh, toughest sport. So if I have one who I think is, you know, arguably the most uh, mentally tough player in the game, that's Rafael Nadal. So he's second to me. And yeah, now go one. to your, your number one. I might go two days speaking, you know. <laughs> I might I might last as long look, as look, you look, and look, Nadal would last. Don't you know? throw it all out there because I will have you back yeah. on a couple of months. Um, depending yeah. on right before the French Open, I'll have you on to talk about your boy. So ah, don't 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 yeah, don't, don't overdo it on this on this number one. All right, we will get <laughs> a whole show on him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, all right. That's an honor. That's an honor. Um, yeah. Well, to start, I would like to say uh, we watch sport, you know, um, and I think you would agree with me on this. We watch sport and we get emotionally attached to players or emotionally attached to teams because that's when it makes sense. You know, I feel like you are attached to you your can't, team. You can't be a true sports fan without having a root actress. Exactly. I don't want to hear this, oh, I just watched the game for the beauty of it. That's <laughs> bullshit. You know, exactly. that, you know what's that answer? That's, that's your girlfriend's answer, all right? That's your <laughs> wife's answer, all right? That ain't your answer. Yeah. You're not a true, I mean, no. That, that means you're I casual. <laughs> I, exactly, you're a casual, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so um, last year, I'm just giving the emotional beat of, of Djokovic before I go to the other things. Why he's my number one is, first of all, the emotional attraction I have to him. Um, last year, during the French Open, um, I think he was going, he had beaten Nadal. The night he beat Nadal, it was 9 o'clock, 9 p.m. right here in, in, in Uganda. And my dad had been battling COVID 
for about two weeks then, bedridden. And <clears throat> and on that night, he transitioned to ancestry. He he passed on wow. in the night wow. of him beating Nadal. So think about, I had gone all out partying that night because my boy had beaten Nadal. And in the, it was about four o'clock. My sister walks into my room and she's like, wow. dad's passed. And, you know, from there, it was back to square one, like total grief. You know how it is. And I would say one thing that kept me going in that moment, because everyone around me here, um, shout out to all of them, though, had a bit of a depressive moment. Right, 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 right. God bless your father, man. I would say, God bless him. God bless him, though. I would say one thing that kept me going was, and, and people who don't understand sport will say, man, that's a dumb thing to say. But one thing that kept me going and kept me interested in this thing called life was the finals Djokovic had to play against Sisyphus. It kept, for two, for three it hours, kept it, kept, going. it kept you, and it kept your mind off of mourning for your father. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and we go into these finals. And come on, Djokovic loses the first set. He loses the second set. And he's, he's playing total bullshit. He doesn't look like himself. And I'm like, come on, come on. Not, not this as well. And I would narrate it like it's a movie. Djokovic comes back, changes just his shot, and wins the next three sets. <laughs> just think about that. He did not drop a set. It's like what Nadal did against Medvedev. Right, right. Djokovic right. did that. At the moment, I wanted him to do it the most. So that's the emotional attraction. And I would say, speaking on his greatness, he's been here. He came in a time where, and I'm going to use football as well, he came in a time where it was Nadal and Federer, Nadal, Federer, everyone was Nadal, Federer. Right, It's right. so hard to be talked about in such an era. See, in football, it's Ronaldo Messi. It's been Ronaldo Messi for years. Right, 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 right. And Neymar is that player that came the way Djokovic did, but Neymar just didn't have the, the mental tools, I would say, to be right. a Djokovic, to just right. come in and say, you know what, I'm as good as you guys. Right, you know? right. So it's so hard to do that. Djokovic came in a period where Nadal and Federer was doing this. And they did that to him as well. They beat him. They beat him. And he said, no, no, come on. I have to change my diet, my mentor, whatever. Right. And he, he right now has a superior record towards him. He has 30 victories to 28 against Nadal. It's that close, you know. Right. And he has about 28 victories to 21 for Federer. He beats Federer. And but let's, say, let's, let's, to, to, to be honest, though. To be fair, yeah. Yeah. that's on the back side of Federer's career. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That would work as well. You yeah. can say that. You have to take and that into consideration. You look at, yeah. Yeah. And I have seen him. I feel like this, this, this situation where Nadal, the, the Nadal had against Medvedev, I have seen more, more of that from Djokovic. Like, if if you watch that from Nadal, you will say this 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 is definitely the greatest. Imagine if you watch that continuously. You know, in in tennis, right at this right now, if you are two sets up against Djokovic, everyone everyone still 
thinks you're in trouble. That yeah. it's gotten to that level. I mean, he's done it against the greatest. Um, I remember in Wimbledon 20, 2019, Federer just needed a match point, just one point. And the whole crowd, including his wife, was waving one, like, you know, with fingers saying one. And Djokovic smiled about it. Like, who smiles in such moments? And I will save you the story, but Djokovic won the match. Like, think about that. And, and, and again, and, and, in the US and don't Open, go, don't go more more into detail because that'll be one of the highlights of the episode. I won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, mentally, in sport, for me, I have not lived in the era. I've not experienced Jordan as much as everyone has, or Kobe. Or I experienced Kobe, but I will say, the only the athlete I know mentally, mentally, I feel like Djokovic is the ment- most mentally tough athlete i have watched in he's on he's on, he's on that he's on that ali jordan level exactly of where that it comes level. To, you're not going to break them you've got to beat them. exactly yeah <laughs> you've got to beat him and uh shout out to Derek again he once likened it uh he once explained saying well Djokovic's ali yes he was in yugoslavia and uh, there was a lot of war going on and yeah. he spent about two years in a camp, in a refugee camp. And and uh, Derek always jokes about how do you think such a kid who was in a mental in a military camp, um, a refugee camp, sorry, for two years going to be rattled by booze from vines, you know? <laughs> so he's never the crowd favorite. That's why he he earned the name Joker. You know what? You, you, as for, for his nickname. I'm going to make another analogy. That's a great. Uh, shout out to Derek for bringing that up. How how yeah. you you you're in a refugee camp where there's war going all around you. Nothing on the yeah. tennis court is going to phase you compared to that. It's exactly. probably one of the reasons why black athletes have dominated in America. Uh, yeah. You're on the, especially in boxing or in basketball, football. How are you going to yeah. get into somebody's skin if they grew up in poverty? Uh, being harassed by police officers, Counting, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. being uh, having to deal with crack addicted mothers and, and and drug dealing and murders happening outside their building. Yeah, sports is, is a walk in the park. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So um, mentally, I think he's the toughest, and I feel like the jo- he he had the name the Joker because of that. He was never favorite but always won spoiled people's parties and at the same time i feel like the stoic the stoicism that comes with federer Djokovic has that in moments that define he's just as stoic doesn't let anything go and he's just as passionate as nadal when he wins the yes. game so he's a bit yes. of both, I would yeah, say. He's, he's got a bit, a bit of both, both. i want to exactly. thank my That's brother my number one I want to thank my number one brother from Uganda, Kevin, for joining us and having an incredible discussion on not only the legendary Rafa Nadal, but incredible commentary on his two contemporaries in Roger Federer and Novak. Yeah. I can never I could never say the God's last name. Novak, say his last name. Djokovic. 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 All right. Novak Djokovic. Uh, by the way, I will have Kevin on. Yeah to talk about both players in their own 
episodes. Uh, next will be Novak because I know how special to his heart. And God, God bless your father. Rest in peace All to right. your father. I am so, yeah. I am so happy that 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 although he shouldn't have passed, that when he yeah. did pass, there was something to distract you and give you an opportunity to uh, avoid. Yeah, yeah. For a couple of hours, three hours, four hours, what happened to your father? Yeah. And then afterwards, you know, you went and mourned, but you had that joy to fall back on. So, yeah. I, you know, that's always going to be a special place in, in in your heart. And I'm glad you were able to uh, salute, overcome. Salute to your to, to your father. Salute to the ancestors. Salute to that man. And uh, salute to your family. And you sound yeah. like you you have a very loving. And support a family, and y'all and y'all continue to be there for each other. I I'm, I love to see it. Uh, my brother, thank you once again. And yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know who will be on next week on this program, uh, but to let you know, Kevin, this program will be yeah. airing will be airing March 26th. I'll send you the link once it's up. Oh yeah. Uh, once again, thanks yeah. thanks for everybody listening. We will talk to you. If I am not feeling good, I will not be here. Another season coming back from a tough period of time, but with uh, you know highest motivation possible to start another another season. Very excited to be back here in in Melbourne, starting another one.
ready to, to face that level tonight. But I believe that I can be ready in, in a couple of months if I am able to, to keep practicing and to keep competing at that level. Breaking news once more, Nadal is out. I felt that my knee was not enough good to compete, to, to play a semi-finals match of this event. I know the execution is not easy.
there a bigger, forget about just tennis, is there a harder thing to do in all of sports than to beat this man in this place, best of five? He deserves every bit of that 12th title here, and it is amazing. I mean, I don't think this record will be, ever be broken. This was maybe the biggest thing in, in modern sports. Winning 12 times the same Grand Slam, I mean, uh, it's something that was unthinkable maybe 10 years ago. And we will, in 100 years, we will look back and, and people is going to remember that there was a guy from Mallorca that has won so far 12 times here, hopefully even more.